This week on Business Brief, we'll hear insights about women in leadership following International Women's Day. And we'll dig into issues around taxation of Missouri's new recreational marijuana industry. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Siggy Reese, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tenny Mallorca. Teddy, how are you doing this week? Siggy, I am doing well. You know, it's a bit gloomy outside, but we're still keeping a, keeping a good mood, you know, going into the weekend. But how are you doing? You know, I'm doing great. Um, I have a birthday next week, so that's super exciting. Well, happy early birthday to you, Siggy. And uh, let's celebrate by getting into some headlines. Let's do it. Thank you so much. President Joe Biden has proposed new taxes on the nation's wealthiest individuals to help fund Medicare. The proposed tax would increase current Medicare taxes to 5% from 3.8% on income over $400,000 a year. This would increase tax revenue by a projected $117 billion over 10 years. Currently, over 65 million Americans are on Medicare. Without the tax increases, Medicare runs the risk of being underfunded in the next five years. The Federal Reserve Bank could increase the size of its interest rate hikes, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said Tuesday. Powell testified before Congress that the continued strength of the economy may require more aggressive action than previously anticipated, as the central bank looks to combat inflation. That raises the possibility of a half-point interest rate increase when the Fed meets later this month. Ford is ramping up production of six vehicles, including two that are made in the Kansas City area. The automaker will increase output of its transit and e-transit vans, along with four other vehicle lines. Ford said last year it would add a new shift and over 1,000 employees at the Kansas City area facility. The move comes as the auto industry has seen inventory and sales pick up amid the easing of a global microchip shortage. Legislation that would reduce the amount of Missouri agricultural land that can be owned by foreign entities is currently in the Senate. The legislation would decrease the amount of agricultural land to 0.5% from 1%. It would also prohibit five countries, China, Iran, North Korea, Russia, and Venezuela, from owning any more agricultural land in the state. And sales totals for the first month of Missouri's new marijuana market are in. Sales of adult-use marijuana for February topped $70 million, according to new state data. Dispensaries sold about $31 million of medical marijuana in the same month. For comparison, neighboring Illinois saw about $39 million in sales of recreational marijuana in its first month after legalization in January 2020. We will be back with more Business Brief after a word from our sponsors. Are you ready to be inspired? Since 2013, That's What She Said has provided a platform for women's inspirational voices, strengthening communities across the country. On Saturday, April 15th at 7 p.m. at the Missouri Theater, the inaugural That's What She Said Columbia, presented by Accounting Plus, will feature the powerful stories of women from our community. 25% of the ticket sales will support True North of Columbia. Find us at facebook.com slash she said Como and purchase your tickets now for an event you're sure to remember long after the curtain closes. Hi, this is Fred Perry, host of the CEO Roundtable. Join Mid-Missouri's most successful businesses on Wednesday, May 3rd, as we gather for the Show Me LeaderCast event in Columbia at Woodcrest Auditorium. This annual tradition brings together the world's leading authorities on leadership for a simulcast event with lots of local fun, education, and entertainment. This year, we'll hear from Dr. Andy Stanley, Dr. Henry Cloud, plus six other great speakers. General admission and group ticket pricing is now available at showmeleadercast.com. 
story, we'll hear from an entrepreneur in St. Louis about some of the lessons she's learned throughout her career. The conversation comes a few days after International Women's Day. Awesome. And who are we hearing from? The conversation is with Lakeisha Mathis, who's the founding director of the Diverse Business Accelerator at Greater St. Louis, Inc. Mathis was one of four women leaders featured on a panel Wednesday hosted by Washington University in St. Louis for International Women's Day. And what insights did Mathis share? Mathis discussed leadership, mentorship, and diversity in the workplace. Missouri Business Alert reporter Skylar Rossi caught up with Mathis ahead of Wednesday's event to get her perspectives. Here's part of that conversation. I read a bit about your career on LinkedIn, but if you can kind of give me a broad overview of the work that you've done in St. Louis, that'd be great. So the work that I've done in St. Louis has really centered around, um, I I used to say it was all process improvement related, like how do we do what we're doing better? Um, but it's since kind of transformed. So it's not just how we generally do what we do better, but how do businesses do what businesses do much better, much more efficiently, much more effectively in a way that it actually grows um, our region and impacts the recipients of those products and services in a positive way. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned throughout your career and in your current role in this leadership position? not waiting until you have officially been designated a director or a vice president to bring what you have to the table because it can help people whether or not you're the official leader or not. If it helps people, then you're leading them. So that's one of the big lessons. The other lesson is don't be afraid to create your own lane because if you're struggling with it, there's a really good chance that there's others behind you struggling with it or even beside you and even sometimes in front of you. So for others to see you carve out a space for yourself and work on being successful encourages them, inspires them, and serves as a resource for them to potentially do the same for themselves. What's one of the biggest challenges that you've faced to get where you are now in your career? The biggest challenge I have faced getting to where I am in my career and moving forward even now in my career is my own doubt, my own thoughts about is what I'm saying going to be well-received? Will they understand? Will they get it? So getting out of your own way in a way that all your greatness can be shared and you can get feedback. Everybody's not going to buy in, but people don't even know what you're selling or what you, how dynamic you are if you're not willing to put that forward. Early in your career, um, did you have a mentor? And if you did, can you kind of describe what that did for your career and for you? So earlier in my career, I thought that I could do it all by myself. Like I thought I didn't necessarily need mentors because often I didn't see mentors that looked like me that I, and that made me doubt their ability to mentor me. So I would do what I call unofficial mentorship. There'd be people that I would see doing awesome things and I would just follow them. I mean, it's easier now because there's social, all these social platforms, <laughs> but back in the 1900s, when you actually had to call people and talk to people, it was a little bit more challenging. So I found myself finding mentorship with individuals that maybe I may never get a chance to actually have a conversation with, which was inspiring. It was helpful, but it was also super limiting because it was a one-way conversation. I wasn't getting the actual feedback that a real live in-person person could give me. Like an example would be, I always joke with my friends and say, Oprah is my biggest mentor. I never met Oprah and I probably never will. So how many opportunities did I meet, did I miss to connect with other dynamic leaders 
because I thought that I could get mentorship remotely. So what I really quickly learned is that my mentor doesn't have to look like me. It's great if he does or she does, but they don't have to as long as they have what I need to help me grow. I'm curious to get your thoughts on why is it important for women and really all types of people to be present and represented on leadership teams? For one, kind of like the mentorship. Um, people can believe in what they can see. So when people can see others who look like them in positions, it helps them to better um, understand and believe that this can be the same for me, whether it's in the exact same way I'm seeing it or in the way I'm imagining it for myself. Um, the other thing is diverse thought. Um, innovation comes from differences comes from us getting in a room brainstorming and me throwing out an idea and somebody else throwing out one and somebody else you know going back and forward like that it's almost like um creating it's it is like creating a think tank or a brain trust when you have a diverse team of leaders because they're not only mentoring without actual connection people that are seeing them and that'll never cut contact them or touch them, but they're also um, being innovative and helping their organization grow because there's just not one way of thinking. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be really transparent here. I think personally, um, in my experience in life, we have enough things created with all white men at the table. And, and we know where that's already gotten us. And we are where we are because of that. But maybe as we continue to move into the future, it's time to bring some more people to the table that are having the same experience with us that brings in and informs our decisions and our way of doing things so that it's not just one or the other. It's that, 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 and that, and that. You know, it's all of the things that actually will make us more robust. Thank you. And um, have a good rest of your day. You too. Missouri voters passed an amendment in November to legalize the use and sale of recreational marijuana in the state. Adult use cannabis sales topped $70 million in February, the first month of sales. But reporter Thomas Gleason is here to discuss how the amendment impacts Missouri taxation on marijuana businesses. Thomas, welcome. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So can you tell us just a little bit about how taxation works for marijuana businesses? Sure. So state law now allows marijuana businesses to claim tax deductions on normal business expenses. So think about the cost that a business pays to operate, like marketing and utilities. Marijuana businesses are now eligible to subtract those expenses from their taxable income. This will reduce the amount these businesses owe in taxes. Joseph Shepard works in cannabis law for Springfield-based law firm Carnahan Evans. He says the amendment helps the industry as a whole. Just one more... Um step towards just completely le legitimizing the industry, you know, to, to treat the marijuana industry just like any other industry for tax purposes is just, you know, one more um, way to normalize the industry. Interesting. So how does this compare to the tax laws that apply to other non-marijuana businesses? Well, the answer is actually twofold. First, it makes Missouri taxation on marijuana businesses equal to other businesses in the state. However, federal law does not allow tax deductions or credits for businesses selling marijuana. So Missouri marijuana businesses can only deduct their business expenses from state taxes. Shepard says federal taxation on cannabis businesses can create challenges, especially around pricing. Well, it's certainly a factor in um, people being, being willing to um, 
to apply to get into the industry. It's just one more risk that they're not going to price the product right or that it'll price the product too high. And is there anything happening on the federal side of things? Yes. In October, President Joe Biden asked the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the Attorney General to review how marijuana is handled under federal law. But with marijuana currently illegal at the federal level, the deductions we're seeing at the state level are not possible federally. Gotcha. So in Missouri, will some marijuana businesses be impacted more than others if this happens? Yeah. So Shepard says dispensaries have more expenses that can be deducted under this law than other cannabis businesses like cultivation facilities. So they stand to gain the most from these deductions. Shepard says dispensaries are, were being hurt the worst by the lack of tax deductions. Uh, you know, the only thing they can write off really is what they pay a cultivator or manufacturer plus the transportation costs. So a dispensary's employees um, are not part of that equation and their utilities are not part of that equation. So what do businesses need to do to take advantage of this new tax law, Thomas? Well, Shepard recommends a few steps businesses can take. Basically, go to a CPA. Uh, the other step would be uh, to make sure that you take as much advantage legally as possible of um, the ability to write off cost of goods sold uh, to make sure that you go to a CPA that has a concentrated CPA practice in this industry. Um, but, you know, uh, because that's... Uh, you know, that's key for them to understand what can be deducted as part of cost of goods sold and what cannot. Well, thanks so much for talking with me, Thomas. Yeah, of course. It is now time for us to get into our words of the week. Teddy, what's your word this week? Siggy, this week my word is Starbucks. Okay, and why did you choose that? Well, a National Labor Relations Board decision last week found that Starbucks has violated labor laws in its response to unionization from its employees in Buffalo, New York. The ruling includes an order for the coffee chain to reinstate unlawfully fired workers and pay them back pay and damages. And there was unionization at Starbucks locations in Missouri, right? That's correct. So several locations across the state voted to unionize last year as others across the country did the same. But many workers report pushback from the company, including a store closing in Kansas City that employees allege was an attempt to stop unionization. Got it. So what does this ruling mean? The decision orders the company to share the violations with Starbucks locations across the country. Some baristas and a labor expert in Kansas City say this could re-up unionization momentum. But Starbucks says it plans to challenge the ruling. That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy? My word this week is Missouri Startup Weekend. Okay, and what's that? So Missouri Startup Weekend is an event that brings together entrepreneurs from across the state to pitch startup ideas for a chance to win investments and mentorship. The weekend was previously Columbia Startup Weekend, but rebranded to attract entrepreneurs from all over Missouri. The event is this Friday through Sunday. Cool. And who's hosting the event? The event will be held in Columbia at the headquarters of Equipment Share, which is a construction equipment rental and technology company. Equipment Share founders Jabbik and Willie Schlack are former Startup Weekend winners. Missouri Business Alert will be reporting on the event and we'll have coverage on our website in the coming days. For a closing thought, here's Lakeisha Mathis again with her advice for women early in their careers. I would say do whatever it is that you really want to do. 
because what you need to be doing, you will find it by doing what you want to be doing. So where you're going to be the most dynamic, the most helpful, um, make the most headway in life is by doing the things that really um, are close to your heart, you're passionate about, and that just make you sing and hum on the inside. And you will find the, the deeper things that need to be done by you showing up that way and doing those things. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing music for this episode. For my co-host, Tere Mallorca, editors Emma Boyle, Elena Fu, Nick Knoll, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacy. I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.